Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit dogwood.church. Join us now as Pastor Keith shares today's message. Well, good morning. You know, we, uh, it is our desire as a church to make more and better Christ followers who love God and love people. And so I, I want to do a little reminder for us uh, this, this morning uh, as to why we do what we do. We, we gather here uh, together with God uh, every week, every Sunday morning, because we believe, we hope, we trust, we cling to, we bet our lives on the truth that God uh, has made it possible to turn you and me into people who love God and love people. That He can actually do that with us. That He can actually make us uh, love-filled, joy-filled, peace-filled people who are still living in a broken world with uh, as broken as we are uh, because of the grace of Christ. And, and we believe that that is precisely the result of living life with Jesus that that's what he does. If we, are, if we know and understand and follow him and walk with him rightly, that's the result in us. That's what happens to you and me. We believe that loving God and loving people are the markers, the indicators of a Christian. Uh, we believe that they, they are, these are the indicators of someone who is actually in the family of God, that a person really has been saved, that a person really has become a Christian, that a person really does belong to Jesus, that progressively we are becoming uh, more loving, more loving toward God, more loving toward people. Our hearts are bigger and softer toward God. Our, our hearts are bigger and softer toward people. We believe that. It's why we gather here every week uh, together with God. However, even those of us who think about these things all the time, we have a tendency to live a different way. We have a tendency to be legalistic. And, and here's what I mean by that. Now, legalism is, a, is kind of a broad uh, issue, but it, I want to talk about one component of it this morning. Uh, we, we tend to hold to different identity markers. Uh, identity markers that are, uh, let me define it this way, highly visible, highly visible, relatively shallow, superficial actions or standards that indicate whether someone is inside a particular group or not. Now, every, every social group has identity markers. Um, uh, the, uh, the U.S. Marines, uh, they have identity markers. You can pick them out. And uh, uh, ways of behaving, ways of dressing, ways, things they say, things they do, values they hold. Uh, U.S. Marines, um, uh, I, I have one whole side of my family who are radical University of Alabama fans. God bless them. You can pick them out. Uh, they, have, they have identity markers, outward things, what we do, what we say, where we go. Uh, one of them even says when he has to travel uh, down to the Auburn Opelika area, he says, I'm traveling down to that city that shall not be named. And I know what he's talking. He won't even say the words. Terrible, Dale. But uh, anyway, uh, there's a, we have every social group on the planet has identity markers that are, again, highly visible, relatively shallow, superficial actions or standards that indicate you're in our group or you're not. 
you're in the group or or not. Well, Christians can tend to do go the same um, uh, route and have identity markers rather than the real uh, deal, the indicators, uh, like the kind of clothes we wear or the kind of songs we sing or the words we use or do not use, the kind of music we play or listen to. Uh, there are rules, uh, spoken and unspoken, that we follow together. How we wear our hair, if some of us still have hair. Uh, issues, issues like these. And, uh, and, and, and we want these things to affirm us that we are, we are in the family of God, that we are okay with God. This is, called, this is one aspect of legalism. It never works. It should be avoided. It is a perversion of the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it never, ever changes us or anyone else positively. It only smothers our lives and um, causes us uh, to, um, uh, hinders our ability to actually become the kind of people that God wants us to become. It actually hinders us becoming people who love God and, and love people. Now, we are, we are systematically, as a church family, for those of you who are relatively newcomers, we are systematically actually over and over. We're in our 30th year, and we have been studying the life and teaching of Jesus for 30 years. And we're going to keep on uh, doing that very thing. Uh, and, and we do so because the Bible says this. Take a look on the screen, Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verses 1 and 2. I think we have them up there. We got them? We got those notes? There we go. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, here we go. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and the perfecter of our faith. He's the source of our faith. He is the perfecter of our faith as well. Keeping our eyes on Jesus. Now, all through the scriptures, it tells us, you know, keep, your, keep studying Jesus, following uh, Jesus. And so here's what we are to do. We who are Christ followers, and those of you who are not yet followers of Jesus, who are checking out the claims of Christ, I'm going to, again, pull back the curtain and let you peek over into what life could and should be like for you should you decide to commit your life in eternity to Jesus. Um, we, we are to adjust as we follow Jesus and study what he taught and what he did. We're to adjust our lifestyle, our behaviors, our activities around the things that Jesus taught and that Jesus modeled for us as kind of a as kind of our program of spiritual exercise, our spiritual workout, uh, through which the grace of God that we've been singing about and the love of God that we've been singing about and the power of God the Holy Spirit operative in us will turn us into people progressively who look more and more like Jesus, defined as someone who loves God and loves uh, people. The result is he changes us in character so that, that we will constantly be close to Jesus and we will constantly be empowered by Jesus to be and do the things that pleases him. And so that's what we are doing again here this morning. And so uh, the end result, if we walk with him rightly, understand and walk with him rightly, is that we will become love-filled, joy-filled, peace-filled, 
uh, people. Jesus said it this way. He said the very greatest commandment in all of God's Word is found in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40. He said it this way. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. Now, if you were to ask most of us who hang around here, most of us who are followers uh, of Jesus, um, what, what, what the main point of life is to be, we would tell you that we would agree with Jesus. That we agree with Jesus. The main point is to love God and love, love, God, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. We would agree with Jesus. But let me just tell you, every one of us who would agree with Jesus, we are tempted to live another way. We are tempted to, uh, uh, to, to live in a, in a legalistic way. It reminds me of a story in the life of Jesus. It's uh, found in the Gospel of Luke. If you got your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of Luke. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, third book in the New Testament, about right here in your uh, Bible, Luke chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. This was such an important encounter that three of the writers of the Gospels recorded the very same story. You can find the very same story in Mark chapter 2. You can find the very same story in Matthew chapter 12. We're going to look at the story out of Luke uh, chapter 6. And if you, uh, I think we have this one on the screen. If you don't have your Bibles, uh, you can follow along. This is God's Word. On a Sabbath, on a Sabbath day, He, that's Jesus, passed through the grain fields. His disciples were picking heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands and eating them. But some of the Pharisees said, Why are you doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? Jesus answered them, Haven't you read what David and those who were with him did when he was hungry? How he entered the house of God, took and ate the sacred bread, which is not lawful for any but the priests to eat? He even gave some to those who were with him. Then he, Jesus, told them, The Son of Man, that was a designation that Jesus used to describe himself based out of the book of Daniel, The Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. He's the boss of the Sabbath. He created the Sabbath is what he's saying. The Son of Man, me, the Messiah, is the Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. A man was there uh, whose right hand was paralyzed. The scribes and the Pharisees were watching him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath so that they could find a charge against him. But he knew their thoughts and told the man with the paralyzed hand, Get up and stand here. So he, the man, got up and stood there. And then Jesus said to them, I ask you, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do what is good or to do what is evil, to save a life or to destroy it? After looking around at them all, he told him, told the man, Stretch out your hand. He did so. And his hand was restored. 
They, the Pharisees, however, were filled with rage and started discussing with one another what they might do to Jesus. This is God's word. Now, this is a very strange story to me. We're going, what? What was all, why did these guys have all that heart? He's healing a guy. What's all the heart? The, walking through grain fields, eating grain. Everybody's all upside down about that. What, who were these guys? What's the problem? What's the problem? Well, it's foreign to us, but let me explain, and you'll find that we are much more similar uh, to the Pharisees than we will ever like to admit. Now, so well, who were the Pharisees? Well, th- very quickly, we could say a lot about these guys. Pastor Jay Vineyard explained uh, some last week about who they were. But the Pharisees were a subset of first century Jewish faith. Uh, they were they were kind of a, a denomination of Judaism in the first century. They were a small subset of the uh, of the the Jews in first century Jewish faith, and they were they didn't do, get everything wrong. They were very serious about their faith. They got an A for effort, buddy. Uh, they were not slackers by any stretch of the imagination. They were very serious about their faith. In fact, if you if you had asked them. Uh, what the greatest commandment was, they would have agreed with Jesus that the greatest commandments were to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. They would have memorized that from the passages in the Old Testament. However, they didn't live that way. They didn't live that way. They spent most of their time majoring on minors. They spent most of their time majoring on social identity markers, relatively uh, shallow, highly visible, superficial actions that indicated whether someone was in the group or not, whether someone was, quote, in the kingdom of God or not. And their primary markers, uh, at least uh, two of the three, and that we're going to mention here today, uh, they, they spent their time uh, hyper over how people kept the Sabbath, Sabbath-keeping rules and dietary rules. How and what you ate. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. And because those those were some of the identity markers that they said, well, you're, you're really serious. You're really in the faith if you live this way and keep these rules, and you're not if you, if you don't. So let's take a closer look at what happened here just a moment. We find here Jesus being told by the religious Pharisees, Don't pick grain and eat it on the Sabbath. Don't take care of the basic needs of life and break God's laws on the Sabbath. Don't heal a man on the Sabbath. Uh, Don't do good on the Sabbath. That's what they were saying to him. And the response of Jesus to their accusations give you and I some insight on what our lifestyle should be as followers of Jesus when it comes to taking our Sabbath days. Now, last week, Pastor Jay, uh, you know, the, here the Sabbath was defined as the, um, uh, the uh, seventh day of the, the week. We would know it as Saturday. And uh, there's all kind of debates about that. But just suffice it to say, Jesus redefined that and said, any day can be holy unto the Lord. We worship uh, on the Lord. Christians have always worshiped on the Lord's day, not on the Sabbath day, not on Saturday, but on the day commemorating the resurrection of Jesus, first day of the week. But the issue of here of keeping a day, a God-designed day off once every seven days, that's the principle. That's the principle here. And so 
Here's what we learn from Jesus just in these two little stories. You ready? Here we go. We learn from him that the Sabbath or Sabbath keeping was given to us as an expression of God's great love for us. We've been singing about God's great love for us. This gift of Sabbath rest was commanded and given to us as a gift of God's love to us and that that this practice of Sabbath rest should be a part of your spiritual exercise workout, should be a part of my consistent spiritual exercise uh, program that God will use to make us into love-filled, joy-filled, faith-filled, peace-filled people. It's, it's one of the exercises. It's one of the spiritual practices. It's, one of the, it's part of the workout that God actually commands that every follower of Jesus uh, use. And He will use it for our great benefit to turn us into people who love God and love people. So, so Pastor, what was the Sabbath? Well, take a look at Exodus chapter 20, uh, verses 1 through 8. I'm going to read them for you. They'll be on the screen, I believe. Here's where we find this. It's uh, a, one of the Ten Commandments. God put it right up there with, Thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not lie. Uh, you know, He put it right up there in His top ten list. It's a command. It's not one of God's suggestions. It is a, it is a command. Well, we find it here. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now, holy means to be set apart for God's purposes. Have a day of the week that you set apart for God's purposes intentionally. Uh, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You're to labor six days and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Now remember, God's given these instructions through Moses to ancient Israel. It goes way, way back in human history. You must not do any work, you or your son or daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the foreigner within your gates. For the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything in them in six days. Then he rested on the seventh day. Now, why did he do that? Does God get tired? No. No, he did it to model for us this how important this is. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. So as I said, it was the seventh day of the week commanded and instituted by God to be set apart to cease from our daily work to turn off and, um, and to celebra- celebrate God, worship Him, celebrate our relationship to Him, to be uh, rested and to be uh, renewed. Now, the word Sabbath uh, literally means intermission. It means to turn off. It means take a break. We're commanded to take a break. So why did God give this command to us? Why did He do it originally? Well, take a look at the same book of the Bible, but a few chapters forward. Fast forward to chapter 31, beginning in verse 12 down through verse 15. The Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites, You must observe my Sabbaths, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, so that you will know that I am the Lord God who sets you apart. Work may be done for six days, but on the seventh day, there must be a Sabbath of complete rest dedicated to the Lord. So he gave it for several reasons. First of all, it showed that the Jews were the people of God and that they were in a right relationship with him. 
You say, why did it show that there was something special about them? Because nobody else is taking a day off in the world. No one else was doing that. It was a sign. It's interesting to uh, you history buffs, I think you can back me up on this. Did you know when in, during the French Revolution, uh, uh, the, the revolutionaries who took over uh, did away with, with days of worship, with Sabbath rest. They did away with it. A few years later, they reinstituted it. Even though they, didn't, they were atheistic, they didn't believe in the faith. They, they reinstituted it because the entire nation was falling apart, exhausted, stressed, distressed, a lot like we are today. And so anyway, it, 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 it showed, oh, the people of God do something different from the rest of the, uh, the world. It was an important command because those in the nation of Israel who broke the command were separated from God's people. It was for our complete, their complete rest. It was because they needed to spend time with the Lord. Now, where it began to get sticky was when the Jewish religious leaders began to define what God meant by work and what God meant by rest. Then things got out of control. Then things got a little bit wild. When God gave the command, He was primarily... Now watch this. He was primarily teaching you and me, teaching mankind that mankind, all human beings, men and women, boys and girls, needed, we need, it's not, a, it's not a like or a want, it is a need. We need rest and we need worship in order to survive in a driven world. You live in a driven world. And some of you are driven and some of you are wide-eyed and you are harried and stressed and distressed and you are, you are coming apart because you never come apart and have a day of rest. Your emotion, emotions are afraid. You're, mentally, you can't focus. Physically, you're, you're falling apart. Your marriages are in trouble. You're, you're in button heads with your kids. Uh, you're just not, you're not doing very well because you've been violating one of the commands of God and not practicing one of His, taking advantage of one of the great gifts that He's given of having a God-designed day off every seven days. One of my friends says this, if you're burning the candle at both ends, you're not as bright as you think you are. And so uh, God knew that we need that, needed this. Well, um, God gave this command. He was teaching us that we needed it to survive in a driven world. And if, if it had remained that principle, we would have been okay. However, things did not remain there. The Jews, in an attempt to further define what God meant by rest what God meant in His Word by worship, developed these uh, principles that then grew into laws, that then grew into rules, that then grew into uh, shallow identity markers like Sabbath-keeping rules and dietary uh, rules. And then these laws progressed into legalism. That means if you, if you don't do it just right this way, you're out. If you do it just right, you are in. So i got to make sure I keep all this stuff just right. Now let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Pastor Jay mentioned some of these things last week. Uh, they made up, count this, 39 different classifications for work. Let's, read, let's define, okay, what does God mean by work? Tim, they came up with 39 classifications of work there. And uh, each of those classifications had subcategories. For example, 
you could not carry a burden. Well, okay, what's a burden? Well, it got ridiculous. It was, uh, it was then, therefore, in the list of rules, you ready for It was forbidden to tie a knot. Like if your shoes come untied, tough. It was forbidden to tie. If you tie your shoes on the Sabbath, you are not a part of the family of God. It's right up there with the big stuff. You know, thou shalt not kill, don't tie your shoes. And so, I mean, see, it got ridiculous. You couldn't prepare a meal. Uh, it was forbidden by them to heal on the Sabbath, which is why they got their noses out of joint when Jesus looked and when the worship service, and he sees a guy with a paralyzed hand and says, come up here, let's heal this guy. Wait! You can't even do, you can't heal on the Sabbath, that's work. Uh, if someone was sick, you could take steps to keep them from getting worse, but you could not proactively take steps to make them better. And the, the scribes that worked out all these formulas in great detail, it, 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 it has, you see, ideas have consequences. Uh, again, students of history in the Maccabean era, Maccabean uh, era of, of Jewish history, uh, the Jews uh, revolted against Rome and they were resisting Antiochus IV. Um, and, and, um, but the Romans knew their faith and said, these guys, they have a law, they can't fight on the Sabbath. What'd they do? They attacked them on the Sabbath and massacred the whole army. Really? Yeah, read it. Read it. Uh, the, the day that God had made as a gift for people had grown into a day that robbed people of everything. Now that's just like us human beings. We're, we are magnificent at taking something that God created good and turning it upside down and making it something destructive. It's called iniquity. Taking something good and twisting it. We, we're great at it. We should, all, we, we should all get t-shirts. I'm a world-class perverter of God's goodness. We are. Well, they did this with, this, with uh, the Sabbath. Uh, so this is why Jesus told the Pharisees, He said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. They had become legalistic. So in this passage, Jesus teaches us three things about how you and I as his followers are to practice and can practice Sabbath rest in such a way that it benefits us and is a blessing rather than a burden. And jot these down, three things. I want you to jot them down really quick. If you don't have a piece of paper, write it on your hand. Here's the first one. Here's the big one. Avoid legalism. Like the plague. Avoid legalism and avoid it like the plague. Again, um, the Pharisees had become legalistic. Now, here's what they believed about how they interpreted all of these different rules. They had come to believe that their commentary on the teaching of God's Word was as authoritative, if not more authoritative, than God's Word. They had come to believe that their interpretation and applications that they had worked out of God's principles was just as authoritative or possibly more authoritative than God's Word itself. They be- and they believed that if someone disagreed with them on their interpretation, it was just like disagreeing with God Himself. And they were- So that's why they were appalled that Jesus, this one who claimed to be a rabbi, was walking through the grain fields, 
picking grain on the Sabbath, which was allowed to do. All the farmers left the edges of their fields unharvested so that the poor or people who happened to be hungry or traveling could step into the fields and, you know, get some grain or pick some grapes or whatever they needed uh, to feed them. That was just customary. But not on the Sabbath. That's why these guys went crazy over that. This is why they were dismayed when Jesus uh, would heal a sick man on the day of, of the Sabbath. They had reduced, they had rather reduced life to following rigid, stale, deadening lists of rules than to live life in a vital, fresh, life giving, loving, interactive relationship with the God of the Bible and let Him direct their path in every circumstance, in every circumstance. And said, well, pastor, what's wrong with having rules? What's, what's wrong with having rules to, to live by? Well, because when it gets down to this level, life is so complex, so busy, so constantly changing, that every day brings situations and circumstances that we have never anticipated so that we don't know what to do. We can't have enough rules. It's because no matter how many rules we have, there are never enough. This is why they don't work for us. It's, It's too complex. The typical human response is to try to make up rules that will help us decide. And then the rules are written in advance. And if we learn them well, we we get this false idea that we will always know what to do just by our, our list. And the Pharisees were some of the best rule makers in all of history. In all of history. Yet the miracles of Jesus that they witnessed and the behaviors of Jesus that they witnessed were always uh, surfacing situations and circumstances that that were outside of the scope of their rules. There just are never enough rules to cover everything. That's why we... So Christianity is just following a bunch of rules. Now, does God have His moral and ethical standards as revealed in the Bible? Sure. He doesn't do away with those. But what we realize that we don't follow a list of rules. We follow a person. And he orders our steps and guides us so that he turns us into the kind of people who naturally respond to life in alignment with the will and the ways of God as revealed in the Scriptures without having to, just, without having to frantically make up a bunch of rules. But we would rather follow a list of rules than have to relate to a living Savior. The truth is, we are all legalists at heart. Our hearts have gravitational uh, pulls toward two areas, and one of them is toward legalism. We just want somebody to tell us, you can never turn right at stop signs on Sundays. So I don't have to think. I don't have to relate to God. I can just, just be an automaton. Nope. That's not the way God created it. Most of the time, our motives are very good. I mean, we want to please God. We want to do what is right, so we make a list. Why? Because we're too lazy to think for ourselves and relate to a living Savior. We're too irresponsible to relate to Him through His Holy Spirit. But Jesus modeled for you and me that we will not benefit from Sabbath rest in our hearts if we are legalistic about it, if we must make uh, make it one of our hollow, brittle rules to follow. And so... uh, 
instead of following all the don'ts that you may have inherited about this day of rest, Jesus models for us two ways to keep to help us avoid legalism. And here we go. You ready? Here are the two ways. Here's the first one. Jot this down. The first one is take care of your basic needs of life on the Sabbath day. Take care of the basic needs of life on the Sabbath day. Jesus and his disciples went through the grain fields uh, eating the grain on the Sabbath day because they were hungry. Prepare meals. Take care of your family. Uh, do, do what needs to be done. Take care of the basic needs of life with great freedom on the day of Sabbath. Now, my, my suspicion is almost none of you have a problem doing that. We right? We okay there? Good. Okay, so basically I'm getting this out of the way so I can get to our real problem. Uh, so uh, Jesus teaches and models for us all, but take care of the basic needs of life on, on, on your day of Sabbath rest, whatever day that is. Say, Pastor, when's your Sabbath day? Not Sunday. This is a long work day for me. I have to get mine another day of the week, but I've got one. And, um, and, and so, so uh, but for, for most of you, this is a good day. You have a day you can come and worship, and, you know, and, that, and do other things, but just make sure you take care of the basic needs of life on a Sunday. It'll, it'll help you avoid legalism. Um, number two, way to avoid legalism is, is an intentional step. Do good to and serve people on the Sabbath. Make some time to look around you at your family, at your friends, at your neighbors, people you might encounter serendipitously, you know, kind of spontaneously as you go through your day who might need help. Set aside some time where you say, I'm going to go out and just see how I can help somebody a little bit. You, you serve people on the Sabbath. Jesus healed the man with the withered hand on the Sabbath. So on whatever day you set aside for your day of Sabbath rest, and you need one every seven days, in order to avoid legalism, let, let part... Now don't turn... Some of you saying, well, there's a rule. I got to serve somebody. Don't make it a rule. That's the point. That's our problem. You got... The, but as part of your observance... Stick your head up above the crowd through the day and intentionally look for someone or some people that you might can do good to serve, help on uh, as part of your observance, part of your act of worship, part of the... Uh, you'll find that it's actually quite refreshing uh, to, uh, to do so. It's part of the spiritual workout that God gave us in this practice of observing what I like to call a God-designed day off every seven days. And He will use these simple practices and understandings. He will use then those things and a day of Sabbath rest as part of your program of spiritual living to turn you into the kind of person who loves God and loves people, which is the primary marker of who's in the kingdom of God and who is not. Got it? Got it? Got it? So look, here's your memory verse for this week. Mark chapter 2, verse uh, 27. The Sabbath day... We got that one. Is it on the screen, guys? Let's get that up if it's there. Last passage. 
Last verse. Did I not put that one there? Mark chapter 2, verse 27? Nope. Well, write that down. Mark chapter 2, verse 27. The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. This is your gift. This is your gift. So imagine with me. There you go. Thanks, guys. Imagine with me um, a day of the week. Think right now that you set aside. For many of you, this Sunday's a great day to do it. A great day to do it. Maybe it's probably the best day for the majority of our church. A day that you set aside for rest, for renewal, for recreation, recreation, for worshiping God and fellowshipping with His people. A, a, a gift where, where, where nothing has to be done as, as one of God's great gifts to you that followed week in and week out, month in and month out, year in and year out for decades and that God uh, used to, instead of you being stressed, you'll be blessed. And so practice that. Avoid legalism by doing these two things. Now, let me see your eyeballs before we close. Here's what, here has been my sneaking suspicion all week long as I prepared for this message. I doubt that legalism in Sabbath keeping is your problem. Most of us in our culture don't have that problem. Now, the Christians, in the, my, when my dad was growing up, it was always, he, he used to tell me everything that his that grandmother and granddaddy said he could not do on Sunday. I can't, he, I couldn't, he, just a whole long list of don'ts. Why? Well, it's Sunday, that's why. It's a day of joy. So sit down and shut up and don't play, don't go see your friends. Uh, he said, you know, uh, you know there, there were generations that had problems. I don't think you, I don't think, you have that problem. We tend to have the opposite problem. There is, there is legalism, and the other gravitational pull on our hearts is what's called license, where we totally ignore Sabbath keeping. So I'm going to come back next week, and we're going to talk about what to do about that. Okay? That's what we'll do. So pray with me. Take a moment and just say, Lord... Help me to understand this practice of Sabbath rest. And please help me avoid any practice of legalism, of rule, setting up rules on top of your gospel. And help me to pursue the kind of lifestyle with you that turns me into the kind of person who exhibits the real markers of a child of God, someone in your family. Love for you, Lord God, and love for people. Lord, take us as a church on this journey to see you as you really are, to put aside our misconceptions of you, uh, that bring burdensome living, but help us to see you as you really are and cause us to praise you.
And it is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. You sit back and listen to this song as we reflect on Thank you for listening to the Dogwood Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. For more information and other sermons, visit dogwood.church. If you'd like to give to Dogwood Church, you can use your smartphone and text keyword dogwood to 779-77 or click the Give link online. You can now download the Dogwood Church app for Apple and Android devices for podcast, video, and more.